In Boston, Massachusetts, Old South Church has a Wednesday night meeting in the crypt full of stone and a sense of ancientness. And in that Wednesday night meeting, during the sermon and after the sermon, there are stations posted all around for people to move as their bodies move them. And this is a service that many clergy attend because nothing is demanded of them. And yet when they have communion there, it's interactive. The minister asks all the people to fill in the gaps of the communion liturgy. In Cullowee Valley School in Cullowee, North Carolina, the Summit Church celebrates now, I think, seven years of church with rock and roll music, with only PowerPoint, with people just doing things in ministry every night of the week because they feel called to do it. This is the church of the unchurched. And my friend Jim Dean, the minister in that church, went so far as to put up billboards, one featuring both a, uh, two children, one dressed as an angel, one as a devil, saying, everybody's welcome at the summit. Plymouth Church in Des Moines started a few years ago a Saturday evening service with a house band led by an a cappella singer from Yale. They had three people there in that first service. Now they have 100. In a church that a, semin that a co colleague of mine attended in seminary, they have once a month children's worship. This is not a service for families to come to. No, families are welcome at every service. No, this is a service that's run by kids, third grade and under. I think there's a message offered by one of the ministers, but other than that, the kids do everything in that service. In another church, there are cushions at the door for kids to grab as they sit underneath the pews during worship. In our church in Cullowee, once a quarter, we would have worship service in one of the nursing homes, knowing that not everyone can get out as regularly as they would want. In churches from coast to coast, there are now bilingual services because the populations in those communities do not just speak English. And sometimes there are too many languages to speak. And so a colleague of mine in the Christian Reform tradition in Grand Rapids, Michigan, has a basic English service for people who barely speak English using small words and repetitive so songs. On this day across the country in UCC congregations, people are waving balloons, people are waving banners made uh, of red paper, people are lighting flash paper on fire to remind us of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Others are singing songs and hymns in many languages. In Cambridge, Massachusetts, today, as on every Sunday, there will be a church service in the Cambridge Common for people who cannot deal with the indoors. They have been living on the streets for so long. All of these people are living as Pentecost churches. Because what we have here, there are two different stories we heard of everyday prophesying. We heard the story first of Eldad and Medad and what had happened that there were 70 people called together at God's command. People were complaining. 
They had come out of slavery in Egypt, and that was good. But now they were wandering in the wilderness, and that went on for a long time. And so many people started to grumble and say, weren't we better off in slavery? Weren't we better off where we came from? And so 70 people were assembled because the burden was too great for Moses to lead alone. And out of that 70, there were Eldad and Medad prophesying with the Holy Spirit, just as Moses did. And what did Moses say? Moses, in this time, a pastor as well as a prophet, he said, who am I to criticize the workings of the Holy Spirit? It's not all about me. It is about the transformation that takes place when we step up and lead in this group of people and we realize that there is only forward, there is no back into slavery. And on the day of the Pentecost, we hear the stories of people speaking in many tongues, but it is not as our Pentecostal friends frequently understand it. Just a gift of talking a language you don't know. That's only the first step of it. There was a reason. There were specific languages. It was the gift to meet people where they were. The gift to realize that in this community were people who did not speak Aramaic, who did not speak the language of Galilee. And it was the gift of feeling the ability to communicate with them anyway. The disciples were afraid. They were confused. And the Holy Spirit strengthened them and transformed them into people who could speak to anyone they met in the community. In all of these churches, and in thousands more of examples I could give you, there was fear at something new. Fear at change, fear of death in the church. And every one of them, there was that gnawing feeling, what if it doesn't work? And what if we fail? But all of these people embraced the Holy Spirit's transformation. They said, it does not matter if it fails. It may fail, we don't know, but what we do know is that in trying these new things, we will be transformed. And hopefully, if it works, we will find new people to be transformed with us. And even with new people here, we will be transformed. And so we're going to try something new anyway. And it's something different for every place. Some places have big screens and loud music. Other places have no screens and no music. But what they all are are a departure, are a way of trying to talk with people whose language we do not speak in a way that is genuine to all of us, in a way that transforms us. In Des Moines and in Ankeny, you have your pick of services with a band, informally, with coffee, but at Plymouth Church, they scrub all the hymns of patriarchal language. You will not find God referred to as him in that place because it is distinctively Plymouth. It is the thing that they offer. It is what they do. It is a similar form, but made their own so that that church can be transformed 
by the new expressions of their love that they feel every day. And that's where it all starts, is feeling that Holy Spirit, recognizing that there is one church and one body committed to living the ideals that we love together and finding new ways to communicate what that does for us and to us with other people, of bringing other people into our community so they may be transformed and transform us. This is the gift of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit. It renews us. It changes us. It is what is with us through all days and all times. Jesus was with us. Jesus ascended to heaven. Jesus is nearby, but it is the Holy Spirit that gives us that feeling, that feeling of lifting up our emotions, that feeling of being changed, that feeling of needing to be here. It is the presence of the Holy Spirit that changes us. And for us, as for all Christians in all times, we must find ways to share that spirit with others, to help others to feel that too, and also to renew ourselves in new ways. This is a church that's done a lot of different things over the years and has always been willing to embrace at least experimentation. At least that's what they tell me. And so what is it that we're going to do now? We came together saying who we are. I've not heard any complaints yet, at least not out loud. So what does it look like to be a welcoming church family, exploring progressive Christian theology, caring within and serving beyond? Who will we serve? How will we care for our people? And how will all of us be changed? Because we can fear fading away. We can fear dying as an institution. But what this story tells us is it's better to go out in a blaze of glory. Amen.